This is the BBC. This podcast is supported by advertising outside the UK. Jeans. They're an American staple. No article of clothing is more closely linked to our nation's history. Today, denim's a $90 billion industry, but that success didn't come easy. I'm David Brown, the host of Wondery Show Business Wars. We go deep into some of the biggest corporate rivalries of all time. And in our latest series, we're unzipping how Levi's, Lee, and Wrangler managed to take workman's wear from the frontier to the runway and closets around the world. Join us for Denim Wars. Listen on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or listen ad-free by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app. This is a BBC Radio 4 archive edition of Alistair Cook's Letter from America. Good morning. There once lived in New York City two brothers whose name has passed into the folk memory but into no book that I know of, as a synonym for truly monstrous untidiness. Their name was Collier. I believe, as I say, there's no way of looking them up, I believe that they did not become famous until they died, when the landlord or the police, they appeared to have no friends, hacked their way into the brother's apartment and found them there up to their collarbones in books, dishes, newspapers, letters, rags, clothes. An apartment turned into a garbage dump by two men who were quite comfortably off, but at some point had decided to become recluses. They never went out. Apparently, food was ordered and sent in, and so were books and newspapers, but nothing was ever thrown out for years and years. Well, my own filing system used to be rudely compared by those nearest and dearest to me to that of the Collier brothers. But since the brothers departed this life, it must be 40, maybe more years ago, there are now only one or two dear ones left to insult me by recalling their name and fame. I can claim only one benefit of this appalling system or non-system of clutter. From time to time I plunge into this closet, this built-in cupboard, and while diving through dust-choked layers of rubbish, brown newspapers, theatre ticket stubs, stacks of ten-inch shellac records, dusters, single shoes, and so on, from time to time I come on little jewels, mostly notes or cuttings, about some odd or fascinating slice of life in this country that I had squirreled away as something I must talk about sometime soon. Now, looking the other day for I forget what, I disturbed a dusty pile and a full-page newspaper clipping fluttered to my feet. It's all about an engaging young man with a compact head of black hair and a trim beard who has developed a fascinating one-man occupation. He has compiled his own huge data or data bank about life in these United States and his findings cut through and dispense with many very earnest books of sociology and whole loads of 
PhD theses. The man's name is Michael Weiss. He's 36. He lives in Washington, D.C. He describes himself as a freelance journalist, and all he does, he says, is, I look into my crystal ball and tell people what their lifestyles are like. People love this stuff. They think I'm some kind of swami. His crystal ball is a computer into which he has fed all 36,000 of the American zip codes, the figures after your address that signify your postal district. The American system, uh, compared with the British and the Canadian systems, 6ND5LX and 3YT7QR, the American system is child's play. Most places simply add digits of 1 to 99 to a base number like 100, 200, 300. Here in Manhattan, the base is 100, 100. And I know that a friend with a 10019 lives on the west side in the, in the 50s. That 10021, a very posh indicator, signifies somebody wealthy enough to live on the east side in the 70s. My zip is 10028, which at once tells the socially conscious inquirer that I'm way up on the east side, on the fringe of Puerto Rico, and not very far from Harlem. All right, so I and any other long-time residents of Manhattan can tell from the zip code number where people live whether they are likely to be rich, not so rich, getting by. That's about as far as we go. But this Michael Weiss is an outrageous seer, a wizard. You call him or you write to him, tell him your zip code, any one of the 36,000 from the Florida Keys to the Pacific Northwest, and he will tell you what you eat for breakfast, the make of your car, what you watch on television, your approximate income. Weiss didn't invent this detective tool at some point he ran into the work of a man named Robin, Jonathan Robin, who, so long ago as 1974, founded a consulting firm which advised manufacturers where to advertise their product and where to sell it. Where sounds very vague. This man, Robin, had made the original study of zip codes and the sort of people who inhabit the districts that they signify. So he would, for instance, tell which neighborhood of a city you should sell paperbacks in, where you might circulate one sort of clothes catalog but not another, where you ought to start a Mexican restaurant, where not to try and market imported beer. Michael Weiss was hypnotized by this zip code theory and eventually he conceived the grand design of collecting in his computer all American zip codes and connecting them with habits, tastes, ways of life. He spent two years traveling around the United States to check his, check his data in 
75 communities. The social conclusion that has come out of all this pretty much explodes most theories of the American melting pot. It's my contention, he says, that the melting pot theory is a myth. America is really a patchwork quilt society of 40 different lifestyles without much overlap. He calls these 40 communities lifestyle clusters. I don't think there's any doubt at all the people who inhabit these 36,000 communities or neighborhoods are quite convinced, if you ask them, that they have a way of life that's all their own or that is a variation on a style that belongs to their city or their state. Alas, for state pride, local patriotism, and the delusions that are shared by sociologists, geographers, and tourists. Michael Weiss says, we're no longer a country of 50 states, but of 40 lifestyle clusters. You can go to sleep in Palo Alto, California, and wake up in Princeton, New Jersey, and nothing has changed except the trees. The lifestyles are the same. Perrier is fizzing in the fridge, and people are playing tennis at three times the national average. But, he says, if you went to sleep in Palo Alto and woke up a mile or two away in East Palo Alto, things have changed indeed. So, distance, it seems, has little to do with your characteristic way of life. The determining factors appear to be rather income, size of family, ethnic background, age. The zip code marketing practice, anyway, is based on the theory that people tend to live among people who have the same mixture of these elements. I must say it's a theory which in some big cities could stand some careful scrutiny. In my apartment building, on my side, where there are two apartments to each of 14 floors, there are five or six couples I know that I'd lay bets, don't read the same books, watch the same television programs, drink the same drinks. And from the evidence of the garbage bags they put outside during a recent employees' strike, they also vary remarkably in such tastes as the cereals and the breads they buy. I think I shall have to propose to Mr. Weiss his next useful project, a data bank of the variations of lifestyle existing under the same zip code. However, I've given you only a minimum of Mr. Weiss's indicators of a lifestyle. He has himself broken down any given neighborhood into many categories, numerous enough to produce, as you see, as many as 40 varying lifestyles. Some of these labels he distinguishes and mixes together are money and brains, bohemian mix, young influentials, emergent minorities, single city blues, public assistance, urban gold coast, new melting pot, black enterprise. And 
an impressive proof of the accuracy of his method, his observation, I guess, would have been better, is the fact that he recently published a breakdown of eight compact but widely separated districts, neighborhoods, in San Francisco. And though Mr. Weiss never visited the Bay Area, the natives found his social descriptions spookily accurate. His report cards on all eight record the percentages of the different elements that make up each compound. Thus, for instance, in the district known as North Beach, he puts down money and brains, 7.1, young influentials, 13.8, bohemian mix, 21.9, new beginnings, 0.77, New Melting Pot, 29.3, Heavy Industry, 4.24, Public Assistance, 15.25, Single City Blues, People Living Alone, 3.44. Across the bay, at Berkeley, which is, of course, the home of a large branch of the University of California, he finds 66.6% Single City Blues. Mr. Weiss is not complacent about his method. He thinks we could face a frightening prospect. Right now, he says, marketers are trying to match your lifestyle, your cluster, with whatever they're trying to sell you. Pretty soon, Big Brother will know what's going on in your household. It's only a matter of time until businesses get into the black box of what's inside a consumer's head. That was Letter from America with Alastair Cook. You can find more Letters from America and thousands of other programmes for curious minds on the Radio 4 website. Is your prostate waking you up more often than your alarm clock? The fact is, the older you get, the more likely you'll have prostate problems, which can affect your everyday life. That's where Prostate Complete by Real Health comes in. Prostate Complete is the result of 20 years of experience as a leader in men's health. The powerful formula in Prostate Complete supports natural prostate function and reduced urinary urges for a better quality of life. Available at Walmart. Visit prostateoneperday.com for special offers. These statements have not been evaluated by the FDA. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease.